This is the Answer Your Unique Calling podcast. This podcast provides tips, tools, and inspiring stories for creating clarity around your calling, opening your heart to infinite possibilities, and enabling you to have the greatest impact on the world. I'm Julian Crossenhill, a certified spiritual life coach, meditation teacher, human design specialist, and founder of Pre-Survenana. And most recently, I've joined the faculty at Starseed Academy Coach Training. It's my mission to teach and guide others in living a spiritually aligned life that answers their unique calling. Welcome, and thanks for listening. Today on the Answer Your Unique Calling podcast, I want to talk about work and the nature of work. So some of the ideas that I, that I want to talk about at a high level today are why work is broken for a number of people in the world, and especially here in the United States, why work is out of alignment for a lot of people in, in the world, and um, how the pandemic has shifted things. I think that the pandemic has, in a lot of ways, brought an evolution of consciousness around the idea of work and what work should mean. And then I also want to get into, you know, how this really impacts answering your unique calling. Because there's definitely cases when um, people are working and their work is their their calling. Um, There's definitely cases when work enables someone to pursue their calling. You know, there's even some people who maybe are called to change the way work works. So let's get into it. So I want to talk first of all about this idea that work is designed wrong. And what I mean by that is, you know, looking at human design, and if you're not familiar with human design, you may want to go get a free chart at geneticmatrix.com and look up what your human design type is, because I think you'll find this part interesting. So when when I'm talking about work being designed wrong, for um, the majority of people in, in the in the world, about roughly 70% make up are made up of generators and manifesting generators. And for those of you new to human design, generators and manifesting generators are really cre- defined by their defined sacral center, which means that they have very consistent access to a great deal of life force energy. That means that they're really well designed to work. And in fact, the nine to five that's traditionally the style of work that most people are doing in the United States and even some of this like working longer, you know, 10, 12 hour days that sometimes happens is much more aligned with generators. Now, generators need to be passionate about their work and they need to have a sacral response to that work and be lit up by that work in order to unlock that energy. So, you know, work doesn't necessarily, it doesn't automatically mean that work is aligned for them if they're working really long hours, say in a Silicon Valley startup, because if they don't love that work, they're gonna burn out just like anybody else. But for the rest of the population, the manifestors, the projectors, and the reflectors who are extremely rare, they don't have a defined sacral center, which means they are not designed to work the nine to five grind. They need to work when they have energy and rest when they feel tired. And obviously work has not been structured in a way to allow them to do so. And so it's no wonder that so many people feel burnt out with their work. 
And then when you get into like the Silicon Valley startup culture, that's very common in the tech industry, which is, you know, where I spent 25 years before becoming a spiritual life coach. Um, Silicon Valley has this weird ideal of what a company founder should be. And that person doesn't exist. So what they're really looking for is someone who can initiate new things. You know, you always hear about Silicon Valley disrupting some industry. So, you know, coming up with these new ideas and birthing new things into the collective, which is the quantum purpose of the manifester, but that also works, you know, 10, 12, 13 hour days, which is not a manifester. That's a generator type. And, you know, the generate manifesting generator comes the closest, maybe, but they still a manifesting generator is a way to respond strategy and they cannot initiate and be in alignment. So what Silicon Valley considers the ideal company founder doesn't even exist. So obviously, I think a lot of us get a sense that work is broken. I have, you know, over a long career, I've experienced a lot of different work situations. And I talk to a lot of people about work. Um, obviously, you know, as a spiritual life coach, coaching around unique calling, um, a lot of thing, a lot of the things that bring people to answering their unique calling is being unhappy with work. That resonates more strongly with people than, you know, the, the importance of answering that calling. It's actually that deep dissatisfaction, that unhappiness with their current work that usually brings people to explore what else could I do? And I think that, you know, we've set work up to be a miserable, a miserable situation. I have a friend who um, works in the tech industry well, as well, and is currently um, interviewing and the interview process is absolutely broken. Um, you know, I'm hearing horror stories from her about, you know, four, five, six interviews, some of them two, three hours long, being asked to take complicated technical tests, um, to write code in front of interviewers and basically like demonstrate that they know how to do the job they've been doing for years. So we've allowed work to sort of run away with us. And we've created this culture of almost worship around work, especially here in the United States. And I think that, you know, a lot of people are sort of waking up to the fact that work really encourages people to be inauthentic, first of all. Like, you know, work, if you've ever been through to a job interview and, you know, you know that you aren't really being evaluated as an entire person. You're being evaluated as this very narrow set of skills and abilities. And if you don't fit the exact description of what they believe they want for that role, they're not interested. And of course, we're not just single skills or single talents. We're whole people, um, wonderful, unique people, the, you know, the result of a once in a lifetime unique cosmic event and our uniqueness and our differences are something to be celebrated. And work is not structured to do that. I also think that part of the problem that we experience in work is that there is an absolute vacuum of leadership in most companies today. And what I mean by that is, you know, I talk to a lot of people who work in the tech industry. Again, that's that's the industry I know. And there's definitely this phenomena that we call failing upward, right? And it's when someone is so bad at their job 
that rather than fire them in order to get them sort of out of the way, they promote them. So you get these leaders who can't do the work of the people that they're leading to begin with. And once they're promoted, the they're not invested in. They don't learn leadership skills. They don't learn empathy. They don't learn active listening. They don't learn the skills that make them good people leaders. And what I see in work around leadership is that leaders are not really stepping into the role of leadership. Leadership is about removing the obstacles and blocks and creating an environment that enables people with unique talents to do their greatest work. That is leadership. And like, you know, I'll just put the question out there. How many of you have worked for managers that exhibit that leadership? I would imagine that it's very few, unfortunately. So um, I think what's really interesting, though, about work, too, is that a lot of work is revolving, you know, work really transformed after the Industrial Revolution. And so we moved from what I call pole manufacturing to this like push manufacturing thing. So think about, you know, um, the way that marketing is done. A lot of people, particularly in spiritual business, we struggle with marketing. We struggle with it feeling icky, with it feeling slimy and with feeling like we're trying to sell. And this is the like knock on effect of this push marketing idea that work and manufacturing has brought about. I used to be really interested in the fashion industry and I watched a documentary about um, Coco Chanel. And when she started her fashion house, I mean, she was quite poor. She started by making hats and she bought some materials. She made a few hats, she sold those hats. So she didn't have to, she didn't go hire a factory to make a thousand of the same hat and then have to aggressively market to move those thousand hats because now her materials weren't recyclable, they weren't reusable, they were spent, and she had this product that had to be pushed out and marketed and basically a need created for these products. And now we do this push manufacturing where we do exactly that. We fill a warehouse with product and then we use these slimy techniques of marketing to make people feel a need that they don't really have for a product because we have it laying around. And when you think about how that push manufacturing and marketing has kind of created that, it really sort of trickles down into the whole work environment and creates this situation where you have this vacuum of leadership, work's designed wrong, people are unhappy. Um, You know, before the pandemic, people had to go into work and companies said, oh, no, you can't work at home. You have to be here. You can't if you take off an hour to go to a doctor's appointment, you've got to work, you know, use your vacation time. So we've built this system of controlling people, of keeping people sort of, you know, in line. And I think what's really exciting is that the pandemic has really shifted this. And of course, everyone's talking about the great resignation, right? Everyone's quitting their jobs, supposedly, and there's this great shortage of workers. And I think it's just that the pandemic has really shifted people's consciousness. I think that our consciousness has evolved a little bit through the experiences that we had from COVID. And people are realizing that work needs to mean more. 
Um, work needs to move them forward in some way. Work needs to validate and appreciate the, their whole being. And I also think that people are looking at the trade-offs, like money is energy. And when we work, we're giving energy to our work and we need to be receiving the same energy back in, you know, in our compensation, in our money. And we only have so much energy to give. And I think that the pandemic and being scared for our loved ones and maybe some of us experiencing loss and losing loved ones to um, COVID has made people more aware of the value of their energy. And they want to put more of that energy towards the people that they love, towards their spirituality, towards living the kind of life that they want to live. And that means that, you know, the 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 trade-off is no longer valuable to people. You know, giving all of their energy to a job to receive less energy back in money just isn't worth it anymore. And so we've had this consciousness shift where I think that people realize that there's more to work than just a job. And so I mentioned the way that all of this ties into answering your unique calling is that, uh, that, that dissatisfaction with work is most often what brings people to explore their unique calling. Um, people, you know, we have a, a great ability to rationalize things and we can know that we're out of alignment with our spiritual calling. We can know that we're not doing the work that we were designed to do, but as long as we're comfortable, we're kind of, we can rationalize it and we're kind of okay with it on a certain level. And when clients become unhappy with their work, that's when they begin to start to explore what else is there. And that's usually when this idea of calling starts to come up for people. So it's a really interesting process that happens. So there's a couple of things, though, I want to sort of talk about. And that is, like, what happens when your work is your calling? And I think that there are definitely people where this is true, where, you know, their their work is their spiritual calling. And some people, their calling is, you know, in a role of support. So, you know, let me give you an example. I know some software engineers who are extremely good at what they do, and they're very passionate about it. And to them, it is very much their unique calling to be doing what they're doing. And so, you know, you can kind of look at that from an outside perspective and sort of maybe even be a little judgmental about that and be like, well, that's not really elevating the consciousness of humankind or, or whatever, and decide that maybe that's not a valid spiritual calling. But let me ask you this question for all of you coaches or yoga instructors, or massage therapists, Reiki energy healers, etc. If nobody had the calling to be a software engineer, and no one felt called to create this wonderful tool that we have called the internet, what would have happened to our businesses during the COVID pandemic? So, you know, this is absolutely a scenario where certain people came here with a calling to build all of these wonderful tools that have allowed us to exchange information, 
to do our work online, to elevate consciousness without being in person with each other. And so that is, you know, a completely valid thing. And so if you have a job that you feel very passionately about and it really satisfies you at your core and that and you believe that that is your calling, don't let people tell you that that is not your calling and there has to be something more because everybody ha has that calling and you know it when you're doing it. And if you're doing it and it feels right to you and you're doing some wonderful work, like, you know, creating these wonderful tools that have enabled so many of us spiritual business owners to survive this pandemic, then keep, keep on, <laughs> keep on doing it. And, and just know that only you really know what your unique calling is. And that's ultimately at the end of it all, that's what really matters is that you're doing what you believe you're calling to be and no one else needs to tell you what it is. So another scenario that kind of comes in with work sometimes is that sometimes work enables other people to do their calling. So someone might have a calling that maybe, maybe they don't feel that they're called to own a business and they don't want to do it as a business or, you know, it's not something that they can f go find a job and do and have someone else pay them directly in a paycheck. And they're not comfortable with the risk and, the, and everything associated with the business. And so sometimes people work a job that is a trade-off, you know, it's not their calling, but it's not terrible. It makes them happy. Maybe they even feel passionate about it. And that job is what enables them to really fulfill their calling. I have a very, very good friend. We've been friends for 20 years and um, my, my friend Michael, and he and I uh, 20, almost just less than 20 years ago in 2001, um, started a um, gay, and <clears throat> gay and bi men's spiritual gathering called Between the Worlds. And we ran that event for 10 years. And a lot of people gave him, you know, some, some crap about his work. He worked for the government and uh, did a lot of risk assessments and various things. And people gave him a lot of crap about that and about his work not being spiritual. But, you know, his answer was always that his work is what enabled him to provide seed funding to start the event, provided him the ability to do the event and, you know, was enabling him to answer that call. And I believe that that's absolutely valid. Not everybody is called to make their living doing something spiritual, and that is okay. So the last thing I wanna kind of mention around work and your unique calling is, what happens when your calling is to change the nature of work? And what I mean by that is I think that there are definitely people who are needed in that middle management area of a lot of our workplaces in, in the world. We need people who have a sensitivity to, spiritual, to spirituality, who have a sensitivity to other people and their needs. And especially thinking of my projectors out there in human design, projectors have such a unique ability to deeply see people at their core, to really amplify and reflect their energy and also really understand systems and processes and manage and advise. 
And I think that we just really need to leverage our projectors more and invite them into these positions of leadership so that they can begin to really evolve how we approach work in the world and allow people to work less, be more comfortable, make a, make a reasonable living doing the work that they do, and you know have that work-life balance and bring their whole person to work and so that they can feel fulfilled in the work that they do. They still have time for their families. They have time for their hobbies. They have time to answer their calling if their work is enabling their calling, all of these things. And so I think that there's a group of people who their unique calling is to move into these leadership roles and really evolve the nature of work, really develop the leadership skills necessary to inspire people to do their greatest work and answer their calling through their work. Um, I was talking to a colleague and I was kind of complaining about this work thing. And I was talking about, you know, the the problems that I outlined in the, in the first half of this uh, podcast about how broken work is. And she asked me a really interesting question. She said, how would you go about changing it? Where would you start? You know, and, and I think the natural answer is to really think about the CEOs and the shareholders and the people at the top and that top-down approach. And that's really has a lot to do with how we're conditioned to think with society, you know, social conditioning. Like obviously the the top people, the CEOs, the rich people, they have all the great ideas and we need to change their thinking and it's all gonna like trickle down, right? We've all heard about trickle down economics. But that's not really the solution. Those people don't have a vested reason necessarily to change it. And there are some exceptions. There are some very wonderful, spiritually aware, wealthy people who are doing great things. Don't get me wrong. But the vast majority are motivated by by money and don't have a lot of interest in making things better for everyone else. And so, you know, I started really thinking about this and I thought there's, you know, and I finally, the answer that I gave her was there's two places that, that it needs to begin. And if I can help people at either of these places make that transition or make that change as a spiritual life coach, then I'll feel that I'm like contributing to really making work what it's meant to be for all of us. So the first is the people at the very bottom the, the workers who are oftentimes being abused, <laughs> who are being treated poorly, who are being undervalued, who are being made to jump through hoops and do tricks like some kind of circus pony in order to get a job that is, you know, mediocre at best. We need to really raise their expectations. So it's, you know, if I had something to do with it, I would start there with those people who are dissatisfied with work, who feel like they're being treated poorly and getting them to really recognize what unique, talented individuals they are, get them to recognize their difference and get them to feel confident in their abilities and their talents in order to demand better, to refuse to work for companies that don't value them to refuse to even do the circus pony tricks to get a job that they're not that interested in and really just learn to value themselves and confidently sell themselves to whatever position they want to work in so that they can find work that is aligned and that they are passionate about 
and that either fulfills their unique calling or enables them to fulfill their unique calling. And the second level that needs change is we need to really work with those managers. We need to see some real leadership in companies and we need to enable them. And so we need coaches, spiritual life coaches like myself and others to really work with those people to develop true leadership skills, to recognize the people that work for them as unique, talented, wonderful people who have a calling and who you know, that this is just part of what they do. This is just part of them. And that the company and, and the role is only entitled to receive so much of their energy. And the rest of the energy is theirs and needs to go to, you know, their family, their loved ones, their interests, their hobbies, their calling. So we need to enable people who really come into that leadership role, not with a sense of entitlement, but rather with a sense of service, who are really interested in removing the hurdles and barriers to allow those talented, wonderful people underneath them to show up and do their greatest work and be fulfilled in their work. And so really it's that two-pronged approach of allowing the workers to really feel their worth and feel confident in their worth and making the leadership aware of what their role in this whole great cosmic opera really is. And that is to enable other people to do great work. Um, and so what do, where do we go from here? I think a lot of people agree that work is broken. So if you're a worker working, first of all, ask yourself, is my work fulfilling my unique calling? Am I passionate about what I'm doing? And if you're not, if your work doesn't light you up or you're feeling burnt out, uh, make some decisions to, to change. Work on, the, work on those areas where you think that maybe you're not valuing yourself enough. Really get into what is your calling? Do you want work to support your calling and enable it? Do you want to become a solepreneur and work in your own business to answer your calling? Or is your work your calling, but maybe you're just working in the wrong place for the wrong people? So getting clear and getting clarity around that first will help help you move forward into something that more, more aligns with your energy and more aligns with your unique calling. If you're a middle manager in a business and you are treating, micromanaging your employees and not recognizing their unique gifts, or you're coming from a place of entitlement, then maybe it's time to really start to take an inventory of, you know, first of all, how do you feel about your work as a middle manager? Is it answering your calling? Are you lit up about it? Do you feel passionate about it? And then really like looking at how you lead and how can you enable the people underneath you to really rise to their best and brightest self. So that's uh, kind of my thoughts on work. It's a little, little crazy right now out there with the great resignation, but I, I think that it's very exciting. I think it's great to see that people are raising um, new awareness around work and what work means to them and what they want it to do for them. And so I think that this is a, a great opportunity to really have that evaluation around your work and around your calling and see where the two are aligned and where they diverge and make those adjustments necessary. Bright blessings. You can reach me on the web at www.priestofanana.com. That's www.priestofanana, 
I-N-A-N-N-A.com. Or you can find me on Instagram, Priest of Inanna. I also have a Facebook page, Priest of Inanna. The holidays are a really special time for many of us, and they mean spending a lot more time around our families, friends, and other loved ones. Unfortunately, this can also carry us further away from who we truly are. Human design teaches us about the various ways that the special people in our lives can mask our own energy and make us less aware of who we truly are. A human design reading can help you connect to your energy. Human design can make you aware of the personal narrative you tell yourself and ways that it limits the opportunities and experiences available to you. Human design can also help you connect with your most authentic core self, get out of your head and connect to your inner wisdom. Learn more about human design and book a reading with me at www.priestofinana.com slash human design. That's www.priestofinana.com slash human design and come home to yourself for the holidays. 